Hi, dreamers. Thank you for learning with us today on DreamSpeak. I'm Rika. And I'm Thomas. And this is the podcast about dreams that teaches you a complete system to help you listen to your dreams and get the guidance they're providing you every day. In the White Containment Tower, Thomas discovered a place inside himself hiding dark and toxic secrets. The dream we have for you today reveals what those secrets were. This is The Return to the White Containment Tower. This is a really interesting dream because it reveals more about a dream we made an episode about called the White Containment Tower. Thomas, why don't you recap that dream for us? Sure. The White Containment Tower was a dream where I was confronted with a big, round, metal containment tower. It was gleaming white. It was a beautiful, bright, sunny day. And every now and then, puffs of smoke would come out. And I knew that the purpose of this tower was to contain things that were highly toxic and dangerous. And there were even people whose job it was to make sure that too much pressure didn't build up inside this tower. It was a beautiful building, but the things inside were dangerous. And what we eventually realized is that the outside had gotten all of its strength and its design for my spiritual practices, but that my spiritual practices were essentially having to waste some of my willpower suppressing or holding back some forces inside me that were really mysterious and dangerous and explosive. Ever since that dream, I've been asking for more clarity by setting intentions that I would enter this containment tower and get some direct knowledge of what those things could be. So this dream was an answer to the questions that you were asking. You received a new dream to help you understand what the toxic materials were in the tower. Yeah, and I think we understand most of them now. And from a dream interpretation learning perspective, I think this dream is gonna be really helpful to our listeners because it shows what we've said several times before on DreamSpeak, which is when you ask for more clarity, you're going to get a dream message that has very little to no overlap and will help our dreamers see that exact symbol that allowed me to realize that this was a follow-up to the white containment tower dream with more information for me. Right. There wasn't an actual containment tower in the second dream. It was a totally different set of symbols, but it helped you to understand. So why don't you recap this new dream for us? So what happened in this latest dream we're about to interpret together is it took place with me in my basement. And in real life, I don't have a basement. So that was interesting right off the bat. And I'm down there and I couldn't help noticing that I felt afraid and there was nothing frightening going on. I was just in a basement feeling scared. It wasn't even that dark. And I looked to my left and there was a small window there. You know what I mean when I say garden level? Uh-huh. So I could just see my own yard basically. Mm-hmm. And it was the side of the house. And I look out there and I realize that I'm looking through wrought iron. There are wrought iron bars barring my window, like security bars, Mm -hmm. but they look like fleur de lis and they're painted white. Okay. And through those bars and the window glass, I see four men outside and I'm looking up to see them and what they're doing. And they're just milling around in the neighborhood at a late hour in between houses. And it just made me feel even more afraid. 
And so I just motion them off and I'm just trying to aggressively motion, get out of here. And they don't. And one of them immediately comes up to the window and it felt really threatening to me. So I got even more scared and I realized at that point that I actually have a firearm and that's unusual for me. I don't have a firearm in wakey life. That wouldn't be something that I would own, but I had one and I impulsively pulled it out and I shot at this person right through the window glass, breaking the window glass. And I didn't hit them, but I did hit one of the men in the rear. Mm. And then I really felt like I was in trouble. Basically, <laughs> this is where all the trouble started. And the other men that were uninjured did not run away. They came up to me brandishing firearms at the window. They didn't shoot at me and they didn't run away. So I started taking pot shots of them and I missed every time and they eventually ran away. I don't think I shot anyone else, but I was very careless with my aim. So the whole situation was quite frightening. Uh, you could even almost call that part a nightmare because I was experiencing a lot of fearful vibrations there. Then the rest of the dream is the subsequent days and the unfolding investigation. As I'm hearing from people that I know in my town, the bits and pieces that law enforcement have put together, and I'm starting to realize that they're closing the circle on me. Nobody has spoken to me. No investigators have called me, but I'm very scared. And the theme of the rest of this dream is an emotional feeling that I just wanted to avoid responsibility for this. Just a sense of desperation, a sense of being backed into a quarter. And so the last scene, law enforcement finally contacts me and invites me in for questioning, but <laughs> I didn't really have a choice. And so I go into this conference room and the lead investigator is sitting across from me in a well-lit room at a conference table, but to my left, already seated, on my side of the table is a friend of mine and my heart just sank. And I just thought, I'm really worried that they're going to catch me and I don't want my friend here for this. Mm -hmm. That concept was really upsetting for me for some reason. Then sure enough, the lead investigator starts dropping hints that they have a prime suspect. And then he says something that is not directly accusing me, but it's mentioning me in this scenario. And I panic and I blurt out, do you think that I did this? And the lead investigator says, no, I know that you did this. And then it was really scary. Then he pulled out a laptop with video footage they compiled. And all that was being shown on the video was clues that involved me. I don't know how they got that footage, but they had seen certain aspects of this crime uh, with me on camera and then cut in with a video of my brother. So it would be me and then a few seconds of him back to me a few seconds of him and i realized that i was caught and i just immediately stood up and i said i need a lawyer and then i was allowed to leave the investigation room i opened the door and you were sitting right outside waiting for me and you had headphones on mm -hmm. and i motioned for you to take down your headphones and i said we have to get a lawyer now and then i woke up Ooh, it was pretty scary yeah it felt pretty vivid and real it was definitely a dream that was trying to get my attention that sense of, of vividness is often what it takes to call our attention to a dream so that we have good dream recall. And did you know right away that it was related to that dream you had had previously? Not at all. Oh. But in our discussions preparing for this episode, we realized that the wrought iron bars over the window in the shape of a fleur-de-lis were the key symbol. So we usually start with analyzing the aspects and the symbols. Maybe we should start with the aspects first. Sounds great. 
Okay, the first aspect or aspects are the four young men that were walking by your house. So why don't you tell me about those? So the energy they carried was similar to students that I've taught in the past because I'm a school teacher. And I've taught mostly middle school students. They were young adults, but they felt immature. I could just feel it. And it also felt like they were up to no good, but not necessarily like they were going to commit a crime, just they were aimless, mm. right? I could feel all of that instantly. And there were four of them. So we might just dwell on the idea that the number four has its own meaning. We've got into numerology in a previous episode, the way we look at numbers. The number four to us carries the energy of inertia. Or a more positive aspect of that number would be that it carries the energy of stability. Right. In this case, with the four young men, I knew it was inertia, uh. just kind of a purposelessness. And so because of their lack of direction, they didn't even really have a strong understanding of how dangerous that is to just wander through a neighborhood at night, um. how upsetting that could be to the homeowners and, and things like that. And they might have been thinking about stealing something or vandalizing something. It's not clear. They weren't carrying guns. Right. Good point. They did have guns on them. And so it, it just wasn't a great feeling, but the aimless thing was the most important. Mm -hmm. And they're all aspects of my conscious mind since their gender matches mine. So right. it's different parts of the way that I think about the world. Another notable thing about their energy was my emotional reaction of fear was an emotion that I could recognize from my waking life. The day before I had been out in public and I had run into somebody who had caused me to feel really scared of them by something they had done some weeks prior. A previous encounter I'd had with this person had really frightened me, and I was just hoping never to see them again. Uh, we don't have any friends in common or anything like that, and then all of a sudden they were right there, and it really made me gasp. And that's how I felt, too, when these people were outside the window. Okay. Uh, the next aspect we could look at is the lead investigator. So the lead investigator and all of his staff just seemed very competent and professional. And I was just sure that they were going to get their man, so to speak. So I was in a state of dread from the very beginning. And we'll talk about this later on in the episode, but we realized that because of their position of authority and their particular role of just relentlessly investigating and nothing else, they're super conscious aspects. And next is your friend who was present during the investigation. Oh uh, yeah, in that horrible conference room where I knew everything was gonna fall down around my ears. So my friend is somebody that we will delve into more, but because her gender is female, she's an aspect of my subconscious. And what that means, broadly speaking, is that it's a part of me that kind of fuels and motivates more than just like a conscious pattern of thinking or something like that. It's an aspect of me that's going to be uh, propelling certain behaviors in my life. And we'll identify those a little bit more but this person is somebody that I see as really living on purpose, and it's somebody that I admire. Okay. And I really didn't want them to witness this horrible moment mm -hmm. in my life. And then there was me wearing the headphones. Right, right outside the door. And the aspect that you represent is a very important one. It, you represent a part of my subconscious, but it's the part of my subconscious that I create the most with. So a lot of the things that I do in life are going to involve this aspect of myself. And the reason we know that is because we're partnered and we've been in a long-term committed relationship. And so my soul takes advantage of uh, you as a way of showing 
this is a real important part of yourself and you do a lot of work with this part of your subconscious. And that vibration, as we've identified before, it continues through the stream. That quality that you represent is an unconditional love, which is beautiful and so wonderful. But as we'll talk about on Behind the Dreams today, there is always a sun side as well as a shadow meaning to every aspect. And that's the sun side. That's the positive part that I derive so much support from. But this same part of me and the same quality, because it's unconditionally accepting, I sometimes take advantage of that because I know that this part of me will not abandon me. No matter whether I fall short of my own excellence or whether I'm really living on purpose, it won't matter. This is kind of my bedrock relationship within myself. Okay, so let's list the symbols in this dream. And we can start with the basement. The basement, as we look at it, is the unconscious. It's where we're not really aware. It's not the subconscious. It's not the consciousness. Right. And so that framing really does make sense in the meaning of this dream. I was down in this area where I really had no clue about my own personal conduct. And that's kind of what the whole message was trying to do is shed some light on something that's important something that I could work on and improve and do some self-development with, but something I was just not noticing in my conduct and waking life. Exactly. And then we can move on to the firearms. We usually think of any type of weapon as a tool for change. Yeah. And I mean, most people's dream weapons of choice are guns. You know, they're quite present unfortunately, in our society, and they're just something that we see and, and we encounter enough that when we're using a tool for change, which can absolutely be used in a positive way in a dream, including even shooting someone, which is just bizarre, but in some cases, that aspect needs to change, and you're taking control or setting a boundary, that can be a healthy thing. It's often a gun, right? Mm -hmm. So I was just like, well, I have a gun. You know, it's a little unusual for me, but I was feeling scared. And even in the dream, I remember thinking, oh, this isn't great. I'm down here scared. I have a gun. This is not a great combination. And sure enough, the way that I used the gun as a tool for change was really a form of misuse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the fleur de lis because that was really important to figuring out this dream. Yeah, that was how we figured out that it, though this was the information I was asking for about the toxic substances inside the white containment tower from the previous dream. So it was wrought iron bars on a window but they were a bit more decorative. And so I just did a quick Google search and I realized that fleur-de-lis traditionally for centuries in European culture has been used as a symbol for spiritual purity, actually. And the- These were painted white. Right, so it was wrought iron, but it was covered over with all this white paint. Mm -hmm. And so that uncanny symbol, which really caught my attention, has a few facets to it. But the first thing that I realized was, oh, given the importance of what we're unlocking in this dream and the relationship it has to toxic or shadow issues that I have, my inner self is trying to point out to me, this is about the issues from the white containment tower. There is a spiritual veneer here, but it's not spiritual on the inside. These bars are locking you in and they're locking other people out. And so even though it's built by your spirituality, it's also creating barriers in your life that you really don't want at the same time that it's providing you a source of awareness. The only real awareness I had in the basement was symbolized by that window. And so I had some awareness because of my spiritual practices, but my spiritual practices were also keeping me 
separate from the world and not changing my fearful mindset. Mm -hmm. We should talk about the darkness of the basement versus the bright lights of the investigation room. So the darkness and light basically have to do with our level of awareness. Mm -hmm. So my unconscious, I was gaining a little awareness. It wasn't pitch black in there, but it was nighttime outside too. There's a lot of things I don't have awareness of around those issues. But in the investigation room, because of the presence of the lead investigator, there was just a lot of awareness there. And it made me feel very uncomfortable because <laughs> I felt like I was really seen and I was seen to be doing something that was not good. Mm -hmm. I, you didn't really want that bright light of awareness put on you at that time. If I had had a light switch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I think the only other symbol we haven't talked about is the headphones. That you were wearing, right? Yes, that I was wearing. Mm-hmm. The headphones in this dream is kind of an interesting symbol. I don't remember really having that in a dream before, but basically just the simple idea that it blocks out some sound. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that aspect of me that you civilized really didn't want to hear too much of this okay. because there would be applications that I would have to do very hard work if that aspect of my subconscious knew just what had happened. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like shutting it out. Okay. Well, let's get into analyzing this dream. How about it? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the windows. The windows are a means for awareness. Right. And the windows had white wrought iron bars on them with the shape of the fleur-de-lis. And that was important. That was trying to get me to think of spirituality and my spiritual practices, but was actually limiting me as much as it helped me. Right. It was giving me awareness in the form of a window but it was keeping me cut off from the world outside. Right. And it was not really helping to assuage my fears, which were very palpable when I was in the basement. And how did the young men play into this? Why were they walking around your neighborhood at night? This is really interesting because it's a great example of one of the techniques that helps us the most when we analyze our dreams, which is I could feel my emotional response to them and I could also kind of put myself in their shoes by just taking a moment to really reflect on what it was like in the dream. And I could feel that they were meant to remind me of a lot of male students that I've taught over the years. And there's just this sensibility that their lives were mostly aimless and that what I was really supposed to get from their energy was that they really lacked self-respect. Uh -huh. So I have similar issues. Obviously, these are parts of my consciousness. And that lack of self-respect made them take risky chances, right? Okay. They were just wandering through people's neighborhood, right in between their houses, right next to their basement and bedroom windows. People don't like that late at night. And they were not cognizant of that because they didn't have a real sense of purpose or any goals. Right. Right. And so there were four of them. And that was the final piece of the puzzle here because four is a number that represents either stability or inertia. And we know in this case, it's about inertia and how in my life, that kind of lack of self-respect can really bog me down. Yes. Why do you think you felt so fearful in your basement? Well, this emotional input from the dream message is really helpful to understanding it. And what it ultimately comes down to is in that unconscious part of me, I have a generalized fear of a lot of things in life. And that's why I was afraid of the young men that's why they were carrying sort of an undirected, generalized fear, even though they were doing something dumb at the time. And we wound up escalating the situation out of control in moments because of fear. The fears that I 
am dealing with in this dream are rooted in a basic lack of self-respect and continued feelings that deep down there's something wrong with me or that I'm lacking worth on some fundamental level. And where did all this start? Why do you have this belief that you're worthless or you have an issue with your self-worth? It all comes back to the dysfunctional relationship that I have with my father. Sadly, there was abuse and thankfully it was not physical. But as I've undergone therapy in recent years, I've learned that that verbal abuse was much more harmful and more toxic than I ever really conceptualized. Up until my 20s, I really didn't understand that I had been a victim of abuse. But even after that point, I didn't take it very seriously. I knew it had impacted me. I saw some of the global ways in which it had changed my life or made my mindset a bit self-defeating. But I didn't really just have the frank conversation with myself. It left scars. And those scars are essentially due to the fact that the core of the abusive messages that I got was you are a worthless person, even as a very young child. And so I know intellectually that I have a great deal of worth. And I know philosophically that I'm a child of God and that we are all unique and a valuable part of this world of creation. Nonetheless, those kinds of harms are really hard to unravel and undo. And so what's interesting is that when you lack self-respect or even if you have just a small problem of self-worth, but it really niggles at you and you can't just keel it and move on when it's difficult for you to do that, what will happen is you can develop very generalized fears because you just don't want to be put in that place of feeling that shame again. Right. Those moments of my childhood are some of the worst memories that I have. Mm. The emotional pain is really memorable and terrible. And I think that that's something, unfortunately, a lot of people can probably understand. I'm, I'm not the only person that's heard messages like that from a parent, but you just want to avoid going back to that place. And the idea of having those memories reactivated is really unpleasant. And so you worry about situations of the unknown just because you're worried that somebody may cause you to slip back into some of those old patterns or feel that kind of way about yourself again, because you just avoid it. It's instinct to avoid pain. Right. Why do you think he shot at those four men? It's all about that fear. And so it was just overreacting. I felt threatened by aspects of my consciousness that feel very fearful or threaten themselves. Right. We, I don't feel this generalized fear when I'm awake, but in my unconscious, one of the messages of this dream is I do feel a fear of a lot of different things. And these young men carry that same fear. And so that's a very toxic combination. So when one of them made me feel threatened, even if it wasn't valid because he didn't go away when I motioned for him to leave, then I just pulled out my gun and shot. Now, the reason that that matters in terms of dream symbolism is because a gun or any kind of weapon can be a tool for change. And even though it seems strange, if you shoot an aspect at a juncture in your life where that change is actually appropriate, it can be a good thing. Mm -hmm. This was not a good thing. It was reckless, careless, and fear motivated. Right. And so what happened here was that that was the moment when I committed a crime. In other words, I had somehow violated a universal law. And I knew that when I shot, I was like, oh boy, I'm going to wind up getting in trouble in the stream. <laughs> Big trouble. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much the point that it switched to an investigatory focus instead of 
events anymore. Right. And I was and hearing bits and pieces of rumors around town that were all about me. Yeah. Just living in fear. Kept getting more and more fearful that you were going to be caught. So the investigators then brought you in for questioning. Although when they brought you in, they already knew that you were guilty. Yeah. And I had a feeling that they did. I wasn't positive, but I was pretty sure. And the Amara was very well lit. Lots of awareness that I have. Mm-hmm. Right. And my awareness is... I think I'm about to get caught. Right. I've been trying to shirk responsibility for what I did, but I don't think I'm getting away with it. Mm-hmm. Then he started dropping hints and he was just toying with me. So the investigator, he's a super conscious aspect, right? Yeah. And those are really interesting because in this case, it's going to be simpler to understand than with some kinds of super conscious aspects, what the message is. They are authority figures in waking life. And it was even higher than a police officer. It felt like this person might have been a peer to somebody like an FBI investigator. Uh-huh. And his whole team was so competent. As soon as I knew that they were on the case, I knew that I was dealing with superconscious aspects, mm-hmm. right? As soon as I looked at this symbol after waking up, I knew that because of their position of authority in society. Once I knew that they were superconscious aspects, I was able to interpret the fact that their one and only goal was to uncover the truth. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, their goal was not to uncover it. It was to reveal it to me. Right. It only seems like they were uncovering it. They knew from the instant that I had done this thing, exactly what I had done. But you needed to figure that out. Right. They so. were kind of reverse awakening me to the roots of this investigation. So let's talk about that friend that was in the investigation room that you were unhappy to see. She's a subconscious aspect of you being the opposite gender to you. So why did seeing her upset you so much? So this is really cool. What I realized was because she has also disclosed to me that she had some rough things happen in her childhood, I realized looking at this aspect of myself that I see her as an overcomer, Hmm. right? So what I see, whether it's really true in her inner experience or not, is I see a person who has self-respect and has learned to really value themselves in spite of having a really rough childhood like mine. And so why was it upsetting to see her there? Because with her there, I just felt so embarrassed that she would know that I had done this really wrong thing. And I'd shot these people. Okay. Recklessly. I just was rather she didn't know. She wasn't there for the moment that I had got proven guilty or however you want to think of it. Uh-huh. And... The lead investigator, he showed you a video that your brother was in, you and your brother alternating you and then your brother back and forth. And so the video can symbolize the power of our imagination. Right. Uh-huh. And imaging is how we create our life. Our thoughts precede creation in our life. Right. You have to have a thought first. Now, tell me more about that. The video. It seems like such a simple symbol, but it points straight to the heart of our philosophy of dream interpretation. In order for our system of dream interpretation to work, and it does work really well, because that's part of why we believe this so strongly now, because it works so well, you have to believe that thought is cause, that our minds are actually incredibly powerful, that we're connected to everything. And even though we often don't realize it, the things that we're thinking and the vibration that we're living our lives on is actually going to influence our life outcomes and things that happen to us. And so 
because a video symbolizes that imaging phenomenon, what was happening here was the revelation of truth. They had somehow accumulated video of clues that even included me. They had footage of me from outside my house. It makes no sense, but it was just part of revealing the truth. And so they were showing me doing things that were relevant to this shooting. Then my brother doing things that uh, he shouldn't have done. Then me and then him and then me and then him. And he wasn't involved in the crime in any way. The whole point was to catch my attention and make me realize there's something that I have in common with my brother. And the thing that I have in common with him is that we were both raised by my dad. And we both wound up with a deeply ingrained sense of perfectionism. And it's just a really strange thing because while awake, it's something I hardly notice. I'm pretty accepting of things in general. I don't have a really strong materialistic stripe anymore, but I still have this deep-seated wish that certain things in life could just be perfect. And the way I know that is when I have things in my life that are going really wonderfully, I will hone in on that 0.1% that is just not working and I can't let it go. And it really troubles me. Yeah, that's really harmful to your psyche. It is. And it puts my whole life out of perspective. And this dream occurred to help me realize that that's a transgression against the laws of the universe. Because not only is it not seeing life as it actually is, but more importantly, we believe that one of the laws of the universe is that we are meant to be uplifted and joyous and happy because of living in balance. A person or an animal living in the way that nature created us, the way that actually is, living according to the flow of the Tao, as uh, one tradition would put it, brings happiness and it brings joy. You're not particularly attached you're very accepting of what is happening. You're very present in your life and you can embrace both joys and sorrows as a really genuine gift. If you're a perfectionist, you also get really hung up on material things and material things do nothing but change and disappoint you. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And so I saw my father struggle with that throughout his life. And I know now that just like him, I unfortunately have also inherited this feeling of well, I'm not good enough. So if the things that I have around me aren't absolutely perfect, that other people won't be impressed with me. And if we, if other people aren't impressed with me, my possessions, my career, whatever, then I'm not a valid person, right? I have to live burdened by a sense of shame. I don't know if this is everything that was in the white containment tower and all the toxic fumes and gases or not, but it's a lot of it. Wow. So it sounds like you're really putting this dream together. I think so. Figuring it out. Yeah. And with the other one. And I know that they were both really important ones. So it feels good. It's exciting to learn something so deep about your own motivations, especially when it's more of an obstacle than a help to you, mm -hmm. you know, and you know that you'd like to work around that or to heal that. So I'm really starting to get it. This is something that's come up for me in dreams in other ways before. Certainly something that I've been aware of, but it's just the layers of an onion. I've really gotten more to the core of this issue. And what I understand now is that because of things that my father was kind enough to tell me before he passed on, that there has been a toxic ancestry or a toxic lineage dogging the men in my family. And that my father, unsurprisingly, was profoundly mistreated by his father in a very similar way. And that's where those lack of self-worth beliefs came from. For him, doesn't sound like his dad fared much better. It starts to get murky at my great-grandfather's generation, but it just doesn't sound like the men in my family have been treated very well for a long time. And I know that you would like to end that cycle. I really would. And 
I think that I'm making a lot of progress towards that. And a dream like this leaves me in a space of confidence that I know that harming myself in the way that I did shooting those aspects of my consciousness is the opposite of what they need. What they need is to be mentored, to be uplifted, to be guided towards the truth that they do have validity, they have worth, they have something to offer the world, just like I do, right? It's not about the 1% of things in which I struggle. It's about the 99% of ways that I'm contributing to the world around me. And that's okay. God or a creator or however you want to think of it did not build this world to be a place where human beings can't make mistakes. We're supposed to. Those are learning opportunities. Those are things in the past that help us build towards a brighter future. There's no reason to just cling to these things. It's that toxic perfectionism. You can't forgive yourself if you think everything has to be perfect because people won't give you due consideration if you're not perfect. So do you think that kind of sums up what was in the white containment tower, the toxic perfectionism? I think it's like that. I think maybe underneath the perfectionism is just that self-worth belief. Mm -hmm. So when I get to a dream like this, it makes me feel like I know what I need to work on. And then for me, I start doing more prayer work around getting support and in my own spiritual practices, trying to direct my willpower towards giving me more insights about how to permanently change and heal those mistaken beliefs. Yeah, isn't it fantastic that you can discover what those mistaken beliefs are through dreams and then actually do something about them? It really is. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So the last thing in this dream was when you went out and you saw me wearing the headphones, tuning out, wanting to tune out what was going on. And so how does that play into this? You know, it's interesting. I didn't even remember or think concretely about the actual doorway out of the room as a symbol until right now. So the investigation room was a place of keen awareness where truth was known and truth was revealed. When I walked out the door, I moved from that mindset into a more ordinary state of consciousness. And there I have the most important aspect of my subconscious that helps to propel so many of the activities in my life that I create with. And it's trying to tune out this. And so I motion for the headphones to come off and you take them off. And what that basically is, it's a cautionary tale for me to say, hey, just so you know, if you don't take a real interest in continuing to work on this and trying to heal this, it won't heal. You are going to have the opportunity to be okay with your life exactly as it has been. And you'll continue to have these fears in your unconscious. And you'll continue to believe that on some fundamental level, there's something wrong with you, that you're lacking worth. It'll keep you from accessing some of the joy that is your birthright. Right. But you have another choice. Yeah. You know, so understand, you can just do things as you have, but this won't get better if you do that. Yeah. A cautionary tale. A little cautionary tale to end with. Because <laughs> dreams are not gentle. They are just to the point. That's right. Always telling the truth. So Thomas, for our listeners, why don't you just recap the dream analysis. So the message from the investigation that I was reluctant to hear about was that after all these years of spiritual practices, I still haven't healed the place inside me that keeps me feeling unworthy. Instead, I continue to perpetuate this cycle and that feeling. It's a plague on the male lineage of my family, as we discussed. Mm -hmm. The good news is that just by having this dream, I know that I'm gaining deeper awareness of this 
lineage, so to speak, that I inherited. And I stand a better chance of finishing the work and ending the cycle of this. The young men in my dream are parts of my consciousness that are trapped in a state of arrested development because they haven't found a reservoir of true self-love. My spiritual practices have taught me that there's a creator and that creator loves me unconditionally. The very nature of the mutuality between creator and me is love. But after all these years, I'm still actively perpetuating this negative cycle. And that's what we see when I shoot one of the young men because I was stealing his potential to heal. Uh I was taught that the way out of this morass of toxic self-hating thoughts was to make a lot of money. (laughs) Then you can impress a lot of people and you can have some petty form of material power. (laughs) The truth that I've come to understand is even if I had achieved that goal, the psychological sludge and slime and toxicity would still have been all over my life. What the white containment tower represented was many years of connecting with authentic spiritual lineages and hearing true words of wisdom and taking those words into my own heart. To that extent, I've cleaned myself up a little, but there are still some forms of sludge that are stuck to me and they're keeping me at a belief that I lack value. The crime in the dream is disabling the continued growth of another part of my consciousness instead of mentoring and helping that aspect to mature out of the generalized fear and paranoia of what the world thinks about me. When I hurt this aspect of myself, I perpetuate the cycle. Right. Right. And that's, that's what I was unconscious of, the basement. Mm-hmm. The final clue about what this dream meant is that sitting at the investigation table, there was a good friend of mine who also had a hard childhood. I see them as somebody who's managed to develop a healthy sense of self-love and self-respect. Yes. As a result, they've flourished. This is an aspect of my own subconscious. This part of me has rid itself of the toxic belief that I'm without worth. She was sitting at the investigation table because she knows the dark impulses that keep me living the cycle. She's trying to help me break out of it. That's the ongoing work that I should be doing. Wonderful. That was a really nice recap. I really understand what this dream meant for you. Stay with us because after the bell, we'll be taking you behind the dreams. Welcome back. This is Behind the Dreams, where we share the secrets we use every day to understand our dreams. A major theme of this dream is truth. Dreams always tell us the truth about what's happening in our life currently, not what we want to happen or what we might expect to happen or what we're hoping to happen, but what's actually happening in our life right now. Yeah, it's really amazing because given that trait of the philosophy of dreaming, if you can fully unlock the message of a dream, especially if it's got a pretty big message for you, like the white containment tower dream and now the return to the white containment tower hat for me, this message will tell you how far you've gotten, basically, whether you've really resolved an issue or not, mm-hmm. you'll know. And unfortunately, I haven't quite resolved this one. <laughs> Only been working on it for 20 years, but that's how things work sometimes when it's a big core issue in our life. Sometimes it does take decades to really heal something. It's your spiritual progress report card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use that as a title of another episode. Do you remember what dream that was about? 
the white containment tower. Oh. <laughs> Good for us. Uh, Great title. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the sun and shadow parts of aspects? Okay. We could go to the end of the dream and I can talk about what you represent in my subconscious. And just a trigger warning here for all the couples out there. One of the things that's challenging when you get really invested in dream work is understanding you're going to dream about your partner and it's not anything to be scared of. You just have to maintain healthy boundaries around your dream interpretation, just like every other part of your relationship. It's very important to remind each other that that's just an aspect of you. It's not an aspect of them. It's not a part of their personality. It's not a comment on whether they're living well or living poorly. It's just a message about yourself. And the reason they show up in your dream, just like you did in mine, is because they represent a part of your subconscious, generally, that's going to be a really potent force in you. You've made a conscientious choice to create with this quality above others. That's kind of reflective of the influence that partners have on each other. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I find that can be challenging to not look at your partner in your dream or even other people that you know in your dream and take that personally. Mm -hmm. They're doing something to you, but that's not what it's about. It's, it's really about what they represent for you as you. Yeah, and so in this dream, you represented a part of my subconscious that the sun side or what we think of as the positive side of this aspect for me in my subconscious is unconditional love. Mm -hmm. You love me. You love me in waking life. This aspect of me really loves me unconditionally. And there's an unconditional support that comes from that. And that's where we bridge into the shadow side of this aspect, which is this part of my subconscious is going to accept me no matter what I do. Correct. So if I want to be a lazy bones and not really move forward in my life, this part of my subconscious is still going to support me and help me mm -hmm. and be there for me. And it's very comforting. So it can be that part of myself that I know so well now can make it easier for me to move slower on things perhaps than I might want to optimally. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to underline with this example here is we found that every dream aspect has what we call the sun side and the shadow side, and they coexist together. And it depends on the complete message, whether the aspect is really holding the positive side for you in the dream or whether they're maybe holding you back and they're holding more of the shadow side. But those two sides are just there. Mm. It's just a fact of life that the aspects of ourselves have a positive and a negative influence on us at any given time. And it just depends on how our life is going. Yeah. And when we look at those aspects, we look at what they're representing for us currently in, in the moment. So why don't we talk about the darkness versus light in a dream it's all about awareness right the darker a room is or if it's nighttime outside the less awareness you have of the message that you're getting mm -hmm. it's kind of an overview of how well do you already understand this inner material that and you're getting a message about that's one of the first things i think that really stands out because there's quite a difference between nighttime and daytime in your dreams and so that gives us a lot of information right off as to how much awareness we have about what this message is about. That's a really good point. It is a great thing to latch onto right away. Is, is it a bright, clear situation? Are all the indoor lights on, like in the investigation room? Or have you got some flickering fluorescent light? It's just about to go, puff, <laughs> it just goes off. 
right? And then you don't know much about what's going on there. And you probably like to bring more awareness. And that's what the dream is trying to help you do. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about weapons? Um, yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. We should talk about it again. Many times because they show up frequently in dreams. Yeah, I think they, a lot of people dream about them. Yeah, and we look at them as being tools for change. Yep, that's the universal meaning. You always have to look at a particular weapon and bring in also the personal meaning, just like you need to do with every symbol. And so for me, it's important that my emotional reaction to a gun is negative. Mm-hmm. Not great. I'm not right. thinking, oh man, like I'm going to really make use of this as a tool. I'm thinking, why do I have this? This isn't like me to have this. And then I realized that it resonated with that energy of fear. And then of course I misused it and I got into trouble. Right. Yeah. So I was misusing my power for change in this dream mm-hmm. by perpetuating a cycle of beliefs about myself that hurt me mm-hmm. rather than uplift me. You know, another thing that I am endlessly fascinated with in dream interpretation is the emotional level of meaning. Because I feel like sometimes half the time when I really have a dream that clicks and I get the whole meaning of the dream like this one, it's because I feel emotions while I'm dreaming and I can connect them back to my waking life to help me interpret the dream, which is what I did here. I think that's one of the first things when you wake up is you pay attention to how you felt about that dream or or a part of that dream and- Or a person. Yeah, take note of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I especially use it when interpreting aspects because the process for interpreting an aspect is you need to try to boil them down to what quality of my consciousness or subconsciousness am I getting a message about here, mm-hmm. right? And when it was to my friend who is an aspect of my subconscious, the quality was essentially overcoming or perseverance or, or thriving even after childhood difficulties. Mm-hmm. That's the quality in my subconscious is trying to help me get this permanently resolved. Mm-hmm. And so... Part of the reason that I knew that is because she knew more about this quote unquote crime than I did, Uh right? She was already there. She knew the place and the time, Mm -hmm. right? And that's because that aspect of my subconscious is already healed. So one thing that you notice about emotions is you can connect feelings that people in, in dreams or places in dreams will give you straight back to moments from the day prior or the last couple of days when you felt something similar, like the fear I felt in the basement was just like the fear that I had when I ran into somebody in our town that had made me feel afraid. And I realized that that fear was just rooted in a sense of shame. That person had really embarrassed me a month or two prior to running back into them. And I had said before, I was just hoping never see them again. We know a lot of people in common, so it was bound to happen. But it made me scared, Mm -hmm. right? Because I want to avoid feeling that shame. I want to run from that, Yes, which is a big clue. It's not resolved. But emotions don't always help you that way. That kind of emotional can opener where you feel something in the dream and if you felt it when you're awake, it gives you a big clue. Emotions can also work like they did when I was feeling so afraid of getting caught throughout the whole investigation until they pulled me into the room and proved that they already knew that I was guilty. That feeling of fear wasn't a feeling that I experienced consciously. It wasn't something that I can point to and say, oh, when I'm awake, I also felt that. When I'm awake, I suppress it. Mm -hmm. What it was doing was that emotional feedback and that kind of emotional feedback can help us understand what we feel when we're in our soul space. So in the investigation, I had these very deep, very wise aspects of myself uncovering the truth. And they actually already knew the truth. They were just trying to lead me towards this truth that I discovered about myself. Uh The emotion I felt was essentially guilt. I knew 
I was wrong and I really wanted to avoid responsibility. That's because I had actually made what I would consider to be a mistake in my life. I had done another thing to perpetuate the cycle, which is so unfair to me of looking at myself as a person without worth. That is just the opposite of the truth about any of us, right? We all have profound worth. And so what that emotion was telling me was that I knew I had actually undercut my own spiritual growth and the things that I care about. Right now, sitting here, I don't feel that. It's suppressed. It's down in my unconscious. But when I'm in my soul space, when I'm asleep and dreaming, I can keenly feel that. And that feeling of shame or embarrassment or guilt is all about knowing, darn, you know, I had an opportunity with these young men to grow them upright and help them believe in themselves. And instead, I accidentally shot one. <laughs> it's not the kind of changes that I mean to be making. No. Right. So emotions can work like that too. So I think the last thing we should cover in Behind the Dreams are super conscious aspects. And we've covered this before, but I think it's always good to remind our listeners what they mean. Yeah, because they're different than a normal conscious aspect or a normal subconscious aspect. They have a special part to play within us. How did we figure out that these were super conscious aspects in the first place? Well, the lead investigator was a super conscious aspect. And how did we know that? Because he's an authority figure. So a lot of times people that show up in our dreams like doctors or policemen or professors. Yeah, lawyers, mm -hmm. potentially priests or pastors, depending on our religious orientation. Mm -hmm. They're generally going to be super conscious aspects. And I could also feel it. They're vibration was powerful enough that I felt an emotional sensibility of purity or something like that. It's very similar to what we were talking about, about the way that emotions can work in a dream when you're in your soul space. I just could recognize on an intuitive or emotional level that these were elevated aspects. And that's another big clue of, that they might be super conscious aspects. And what is a super conscious aspect? What does that mean? There are aspects of us that give us messages about the way that we perceive the divine or the way that the universe works on the biggest level. Yeah, they're not the divine. Nope. They're just telling us or showing us how we perceive the divine. Yeah, how we're kind of answering the biggest questions in life. And for me, one of the things that these investigators show, even though I was scared of them, is that I believe that truth is a transcendent part of our universe that the universe is self-consistent, that it exhibits truth. Mm -hmm. And I was out of line with my truth. So then I was gonna get in trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for learning with us today on DreamSpeak. We hope you'll join us on the next episode. You can find this podcast on all popular streaming services. Email us a dream today at contact at dreamspeak.us. Check out our YouTube channel for a free introductory dream course. Connect with DreamSpeak for even more learning. Our socials are in the description. Our theme music was composed by me, Ricka. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. If you have concerns about your well-being, talk to your doctor or a mental health professional. <laughs>